It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, July 23rd, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. First, we'll take a look at the state's wildfires with the California Report. Then, unemployed Californians waiting for their benefits will finally be paid after lengthy negotiations between the state's Employment Development Department and the Center for Workers' Rights. We'll take a brief look at entertainment news and weather before Keith Porter speaks with Auburn Symphony's Executive Director, Anne Brown. Then, Felton Pruitt talks to Paul Emery about this Sunday's Nevada County Arts Benefit to close out our Friday newscast. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin with the massive wildfires burning in Northern California. The Dixie Fire burning in the Feather River Canyon in Plumas and Butte counties is now the largest in the state this year. The fire has burned nearly 143,000 acres and is 18% contained. Incident meteorologist Julia Rutherford says weather conditions will remain a challenge into the weekend. We're looking for a ridge of high pressure building in from the Great Basin. That's going to bring uh, some significant warming over the next two days and continued uh, drier conditions that are going to actually even be getting drier than they are uh, right now. Dangerous fire conditions forced another round of evacuation orders yesterday in Plumas County. The fire is burning near the town of Paradise, site of the deadly 2018 campfire. The utility PG&E filed an incident report this week saying its equipment may have started the Dixie Fire. Meanwhile, the Tamarack Fire burning in Alpine County south of Lake Tahoe has burned more than 50,000 acres and is just 4% contained. The Alpine County and El Dorado County Sheriff's offices will be providing escorts today to residents forced to evacuate so they can pick up emergency items they left behind. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Paint Care. Now with 800 drop-off sites in California, where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. Out-of-work Californians who've been waiting weeks and in some cases months for their unemployment benefits will finally be paid, some as soon as today. The shift comes after lengthy negotiations between the state's Employment Development Department, or EDD, and the Center for Workers' Rights. That's an advocacy group based in Sacramento. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has been covering unemployment issues since early in the pandemic. She joins me now to talk about this important new change. Hi, Mary Franklin. Good morning, Lily. Can you explain this change in basic terms to us? Yeah, Lily. So this change affects people who EDD has already deemed eligible for benefits and who have already received at least a week's worth of unemployment benefits in the past. Up until now, even if EDD had already deemed you eligible for benefits, if some sort of question came up for EDD on your claim, for example, everyone who's on unemployment is very familiar with this certification form that they have to fill out every two weeks to stay eligible for benefits. Well, if you made some sort of mistake on that form that flagged your claim for EDD, EDD would stop paying you benefits. And what's happening now is EDD is giving itself a two-week deadline 
deadline to investigate whatever question they have about your eligibility. And then after that, they're going to start issuing what they call conditional payments. So people won't have to wait while EDD is investigating their claim to get the support that they need. So they're giving themselves this two-week deadline to sort things out, whereas before that process could go on and on for weeks or months. What kind of pressure convinced EDD to make this change? Well, EDD has gotten a lot of pressure from lawmakers and the state auditor and all sorts of officials throughout the pandemic. But for this particular change, it really was a culmination of lengthy negotiations with the advocacy group, the Center for Workers' Rights out of Sacramento. A legal complaint was filed, which culminated in an agreement from EDD to make this pivot. And there are a whole lot of people who are going to be affected by this change. You spoke with one of them yesterday. Tell us about him. I spoke with Abdul Adam. He lives in Hayward. He was a bus driver before he got laid off last March. He's been living with his children who have been helping to support him while he's been looking for work. And his claim got snagged this past March when it came up for its one-year renewal mark. I call every day. Like one time I called by accident as an employer and they answered and I said, can you transfer me? They said no. So I call every day since marriage, but I never get anything. And when I asked Abdul what he would do with his benefits once he finally got them, he just said, pay down his bills. Wow. Well, what you've learned in your reporting is remarkable that more than 100,000 people at least who weren't getting benefits now will. That's huge. But this could have other ripple effects as well. That's right. Because if EDD can decongest one part of its system, that helps the flow of lots of other processes. It's like an ecosystem. And, you know, the person who helped me understand the interconnectedness really sharply was Daniela Urban. She's the executive director of that Center for Workers' Rights, that advocacy group behind this change. About a month or so ago, Danielle and I were talking about the hopeless place that people are in when their claims get flagged by EDD because it is so hard to get through. And she said something to me then that now feels really prescient. If they were able to simply pay benefits while they investigate whatever issue it was, then the number of calls each week to EDD would drastically reduce because people would be getting payments in the meantime. I wouldn't be so concerned about putting food in their mouth that they feel like they need to call EDD every hour to try to get a remedy. And Lily, you know, the EDD call center data for the week of July 10 through July 17 shows around 250,000 calls answered by staff out of more than 3 million calls entering the call center. So there's a hope that this pivot will help to ease that incredible load for both EDD staff and for people who are carrying the burden of not getting their benefits. All right. Well, Mary Franklin Harvin, thank you for this reporting. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Lily. And that is the California Report for this Friday, July 23rd. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, and Jim Bennett, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. 
A quick public health update. Nevada County Public Health reports 27 new confirmed COVID-19 cases today. And in entertainment news, the premiere performance of Sierra Stage's The Bridges of Madison County is tonight at the North Star House. Not to dangle tantalizing theater in front of you and rip it away, but all performances are currently sold out. However, hope remains. You can join the waitlist on the Sierra Stages website, as there is discussion about making more tickets available when organizers have a better idea of audience turnout and accommodation. Looking for something to cheer you up after I depressed you with the sold-out theater performances? The Miners Foundry hosts Comedy Night beginning at 6 p.m. this evening. There will be two shows with local comedians performing at 6 and then later on at 8.30 in the Osborne Woods Hall. Comedy Night at the Miners Foundry is co-produced by Trevor Wade and Michaela King of The Bunker, a Nevada County stand-up comedy coalition dedicated to bringing laughter and joy while hunkering down together in joyless times. Joy Phillips of Whimsicore, a video and entertainment production company based in Nevada County, also co-produces the event. Trying to add a little poetry to your life? The North Columbia Schoolhouse Cultural Center has got you covered. Jackie Bellin, Liz Collins, and Kate Dwyer with special literary guests Molly Fisk and Sarah Miller will partake in an evening of poetry at the Schoolhouse Amphitheater tonight from 6.30 to sunset. Ever ask yourself what's up with Deer Creek? No? Well, even so, if you were ever curious about the waterway, join Sierra Streams Institute for a day of creek science and exploration on Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Investigate questions about the health of Deer Creek, how the drought might be impacting water quality, and the impact historic gold mining has had on the health of our ecosystem. Meet at Picnic Area B in Pioneer Park to learn what all the Institute has to share about the impact of droughts, floods, climate change, fire, and mining on our local waterways. The first annual Deer Creek Music Festival kicks off tomorrow with entertainment from 6 to 10 p.m. at Pioneer Park. The lineup features performances by Petty Love, Kyle Ledson and Friends, Tim High and the Mighty, and Patrick Donahoe. Gates open at 5 p.m. and food and libations will be plentiful. If you're still hankering for music by the time light fades in Pioneer Park, head over to the Crazy Horse Saloon and Grill for the official Deer Creek Music Festival after party. Boca de Rio will play Afro-Brazilian rhythms till the hours of the early morn from 10 to 1 a.m. Along with their South American roots, they also draw from San Francisco's well of funky psychedelic samba. The Center for the Arts presents Tommy Emmanuel tomorrow at 7 p.m. Renowned guitarist Tommy Emmanuel is hailed by many as a master of acoustic guitar. The performance is part of their summer concert series. The Auburn Symphony invites you to a free welcome back event at the Auburn State Theater this Saturday. Live musicians will play from 2 to 3 until the screening of the documentary Auburn Symphony Scaling the Heights. The film highlights the symphony's growth under conductor Peter Jaffe. The pandemic has been devastating for many, not least of which are local arts. This Sunday, you can help support the Nevada County Artist Relief Fund by attending Masquerade, a free benefit concert at the Center for the Arts. The celebration of the arts is produced by KVMR's very own Paul Emery. Local bands Achilles Wheel, Earls of Newtown, and Sugar Mountain are all slated to perform. There will be a no-host bar, general seating, and plenty of space for dancing the night away. The Nevada County Arts Council presents the benefit concert in partnership with arts organizations across the county who support investing in our local professional artists. Doors open at 5 p.m. This Sunday night from 8.30 to 11.30, catch Anna Moss and the Nightshades live at the Crazy Horse. 
Self-described as bedroom pop, Moss says to expect danceable folk music with dreamy sounds and hooks. And now for regional weather. In Grass Valley in Nevada City, tonight, clear skies with a low around 68. Tomorrow, sunny and hot with a high near 97. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, clear skies with a low around 52. Tomorrow, widespread haze and widespread smoke, sunny, a high near 90. The National Weather Service reports hazardous weather conditions as smoke predominantly from the Tamarack, Dixie, and Bootleg wildfires continues to bring hazy skies along with poor air quality to the region. And for those of you in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear skies with a low around 62. Tomorrow, sunny and hot with a high near 101. Coming up, Keith Porter speaks to Anne Brown, executive director of the Auburn Symphony. This year marks the 34th season for the only community orchestra in Placer County. Keith and Anne discuss this Sunday's kickoff event and the symphony's search for a new music director. I'm Keith Porter for KVMR News, and I'm talking today with Anne Brown, and Anne is the executive director of Auburn Symphony. So, Anne, welcome to KVMR, and you've got some exciting things coming up for Auburn Symphony, right? Yes, thank you, Keith. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. We are so excited that we're getting a season back together um, after having a whole year of no concerts at all. We're very, very eager to get back in the concert hall. Uh, So how long has Auburn Symphony been? um... Well, we've completed 33 seasons, so we're looking forward to heading into our 34th season. So, yes, we have been here for a long time, and, you know, we're the only community orchestra, all volunteer, of course, in Placer County. So that's an exciting thing for us, and we perform here at Placer High School in Auburn and have done so for throughout our tenure. Well, I know we've had a chance to play some uh, recorded uh, performances of Auburn Symphony on the Classic Declassified show on KVMR, which is always fun to have uh, local sound, and uh, it's, a, it's an amazingly uh, competent orchestra for an all-volunteer group. It really is. We have musicians coming from all over this area. Uh, We even had somebody coming from Reno for a while. So our orchestra um, has performed at a high level. And each conductor that we've had, and we're only now coming up to looking at our fourth in all these 33 years, but has brought the level of musicianship ever higher each time. Um, We're finishing the tenure of Peter Jaffe, who was with us for eight seasons, and we are currently looking for a new music director, and that will be what our season will be about this coming year. So how how will that work? Yeah, so Peter had let us know that he was stepping down from our orchestra in January of 2020, right before the pandemic hit. So (laughs) it was quite a challenging time for us. We had our last concert on March 7th and 8th, So then we had to conduct interviews all over Zoom. We're very thankful. We're very tired of Zoom, but we're very thankful for it at the same time. Indeed. And we had over 50 candidates from around the world um, for our position, for our little community orchestra, which is pretty amazing. We came up with three finalists. They're all three still with us, and each will do a concert in the coming year. That is really our main focus for this year is inviting these three 
uh, gentlemen to our community and they will do rehearsals, a full set of rehearsals with our musicians, which is key to seeing how the relationship will work. And then each will do one concert with us. Uh, and they're each bringing a guest artist as well. The end of this upcoming season, you will have had each of these uh, candidates will conduct the orchestra for a performance, and then uh, you will make a decision. And that will be, I assume, your board, uh, your supporters, your musicians. How will that decision be made? All the above, actually, Keith. We will be asking everybody for their input. We want to take this journey together because this is about our future, and our future is about our musicians and our patrons and everyone involved. So we want to make sure everyone has the opportunity to weigh in. So at each of the three concerts, we'll have a little bit different format. Um, We'll just have one concert on the concert weekend instead of our usual two. And we'll start with a um, pre-concert talk. Each of the conductors will do that. Then we'll have an hour-long concert. And then we'll have a live Q&A session with them following the concert to allow people to interact with them a little bit. We have a concert scheduled one in October one in January, one in February. Following that, we'll do a survey. um, And of course, we'll weigh all the input from all groups um, and the board will make the final decision. So hopefully by March or April of next year, we will have a new music director on board. You also have an event coming up uh, very soon to actually kind of be a welcome back event, right? Yeah, so we're excited to be hosting um, an event here at the Auburn State Theater. And because of COVID, we were able to do some projects that we would not probably otherwise have done. And one of those um, included this documentary that we put together to really highlight uh, the Peter Jaffe years with our orchestra and also to tell the story about how our small community orchestra put on um, an amazing concert with Richard Strauss's the Alpine Symphony back in May of 2017 and was a real feat for us to put that event on. And we were very proud of it. And so we were able to make this documentary that was released in December and it's about an hour long. And so we'll be showing it here at the theater on the big screen. It will be free. So it's our gift to the community. We do ask you to reserve a seat just so we know how many people are coming. But it's, yeah, a welcome back party. And we'll have a couple musicians playing out here in the foyer starting at 2 o'clock. And the performance, or the film, sorry, will be at 3 o'clock. And it will be on Sunday, July 25th. So Sunday, July 25th, 3 o'clock at the State Theater in Auburn will be Auburn Symphony's uh, Welcome Back Party where you'll be screening a documentary about uh, Auburn Symphony during the Peter Jaffe years, including the performance of the Alpine Symphony, which was a major, major undertaking for you. People want to sign up now to attend the free performance on July 25th or get other information about Auburn Symphony. Yes, so it's auburnsymphony.com. And the only restriction we have is that if you are not vaccinated, we would ask that you wear a mask when you're here. And we look forward to having folks come and join us. All right. Well, Ann Brown, Executive Director of the Auburn Symphony, thank you very much for keeping things alive during the pandemic and uh, being ready to come back full force with a wonderful season this year. So thank you, Ann, very much for joining us today. Thank you, Keith. I appreciate it. Up next, Felton Pruitt talks to Paul Emery about this Sunday's Masquerade Benefit for the Nevada County Arts Relief Fund. Emery recruited the lineup of local bands set to perform at the pandemic relief event. 
We're talking with Paul Emery, and we're going to find out about the masquerade benefit going on Sunday night at the Center for the Arts. It's a relief benefit for the Nevada County Arts Organization, and it's going to feature Achilles Wheel, the Earls of Newtown, and Sugar Mountain. So uh, thanks for joining us, Paul. Yeah, thanks for calling, Calvin. This is an interesting organization. Why don't you tell us more about the Nevada County Arts Relief Fund? Well, that's been a relief fund that's been going ongoing for the, you know, really the entire length of the COVID situation. And it's run by the Nevada County Arts Council, which is, of course, a nonprofit. And they collect money from people and from sources and from events. And they put it into a fund and then they divide it up and distribute it to uh, eligible groups and individuals who need some assistance. In this time, that has been rather brutal, especially for the performing arts, as you and I both know. So, yeah, and uh, they're, they are the recipients of the funds. This is, uh, the event is underwritten and supported by the Eagle Family Foundation, who are putting up, uh, you know, their resources to make it happen. Center for the Arts is donating the use of their space on the Sunday night, and I'm, I'm helping out. I help there get the music together for the show it's going to be no cover charge but you know donations will be of course solicited shall we say for to help support the the arts organization that's the story of it kind of in a nutshell so they came to you and said get us some bands to play and uh, you came up with three pretty good bands why don't you tell people about achilles wheel the earls of newtown and sugar mountain well i think they represent some of the finest music in nevada county you know Achilles Wheel and Earls of Newtown, probably of any bands in Nevada County right now, probably have the widest radius in terms of, you know, playing up and down the coast and very accomplished bands. And Sugar Mountain is a lovely acoustic duo that uh, is just start kind of just starting to get their, their name out. So I, I think they represent kind of, they certainly represent a high level of music that we have in our county that comes from our county. So that's why. I asked them to be part of this. We're talking with Paul Emery about Masquerade, which is happening uh, Sunday night at the Center for the Arts. It's a benefit for the Nevada County Arts Council. And Paul, um, I wanted to know more about the band Sugar Mountain, who is opening up the show. Yeah, uh, they're an acoustic duo uh, with uh, two uh, musicians from here in Nevada County that have been playing for quite some time, Cassidy Joy and Karen Warner. They, you know, do original songs, and they're a great representative of acoustic music in Nevada County. I think, you know, there's lots of good players up here, and uh, we just thought they would be a, a good opener for the show. And, and then and then you're going to rock it with uh, the Earls of Newtown. My goodness, what a, a full band, and, and they got such an incredible sound. Yeah, and uh, and, and of course, this is going to be at the Center for the Arts, and which is back up and running in their brand new venue. And I think this is going to be kind of maybe the first, maybe I'm not exactly accurate, but pretty much the first dance concert, you know, dance show that they've had there with uh, with local bands. And it's it's going to be a wide open dance floor and a lot of fun. The main thing, people, we want to celebrate that things are, things are getting better and things are coming back. Not all this, not all the way back yet, but it's getting better. That's kind of what this is all about, and and raise some raise some money to help out some artists in the community that 
you know, it's been a very rough time for performing artists in particular. Well, that's that's just great. We thank you for putting the effort in there, and uh, we always uh, encourage people to support the Nevada County Arts Council because it's a wonderful organization. We've got Achilles Wheel, the Earls of Newtown and Sugar Mountain, starting at 6.30 on Sunday night at the Center for the Arts for Masquerade, which uh, benefits the Nevada County Arts Relief Fund. We've been talking with Paul Emery. Thanks for all your efforts, Paul. Thank you, Fountain. Take care. That's our newscast for tonight. You can listen to an extended version of Felton's interview with Paul Emery on our webpage, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. We get support from Four Paws Animal Clinic, providing medical, dental, surgical services, alternative therapies, and catboarding for cherished companions on Searles Avenue, Nevada City. Dr. Susan Murphy and staff proudly support KVMR. F-O-U-R, Paws, ac.com and Heartwood Eatery Organic Cafe on Commercial Street, Nevada City offering a seasonal menu of organic salads grain bowls, toasts, nourishing tonics featuring local farmers and producers Heartwood Eatery is open 10 to 4 closed Mondays Stick around at 6.30 the California Report magazine provides updates to their 2020 story of Fresno priests Jesus Antonio Castaneda Serna. For nearly a decade, the charismatic priest garnered a following of hundreds from Fresno's Latino community. Now he faces up to 23 and a half years in prison after accusers, most of them adult males, say he sexually assaulted them during healing rituals. An investigation by the California Report magazine uncovered multiple previous accusations before Castaneda moved from the Catholic Church to the Anglican Church without undergoing background checks. He continues to lead a devoted group of parishioners who swear by his innocence. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese signing off. Have a great weekend.